Hello, and welcome to 15 Minutes to Change the World, where in 15 minutes, you can learn a bit more about the world and how you can help change it. My name is Lema Al-Safi, host of this podcast. In 2018, Greta Thunberg addressed the 2018 United Nations Climate Change Conference. Greta's speech and continuing actions since have helped to breathe new life into the climate change movement and open its doors to younger generations who are helping to challenge systems around the world. The effects of climate change continue to intensify. Climate change is driving humanitarian emergencies, forced migration, violence, conflict, and health and gender inequality. In the world's poorest communities, it's women and girls who bear the brunt of these consequences. In this episode of 15 Minutes to Change the World, we're speaking with Dominique Suarez and Ana Gonzalez Guerrero, co-founders of the Youth Climate Lab, an organization that partners with and empowers youth in designing projects to tackle climate change. Dominique and Ana join us remotely from Ottawa today. Welcome and thank you so much for chatting with us today. Thank you. Thanks for, Thanks having, for having us. Dominique and Anna, can you tell us a bit more about your backgrounds and how did your passion around climate change start? My name is Anna Gonzalez and I am um, one of the two co-founders of the line. And my background is actually pretty related to kind of what you were introducing in terms of really noticing the disproportionate effects of climate change to vulnerable populations and, and how that was impacting my community. So I was born and raised in Mexico and spent some of my pivotal teen years in Cancun, uh, which as some of you may know, is a coastal community. After a hurricane, things started to click for me. I selfishly used to play volleyball in the beach and then saw it dis- disappear. So again, as a, as a kind of 50-year-old uh, girl, I was like, why, why can't I play volleyball anymore? So I started looking into it and, and realized that, that it was a, a big, big problem called climate change and that it was going to be not only affecting my very privileged um, access to a volleyball court, but um, how people recovered in my community and how they were dealing with the impacts of climate change. I started volunteering with the municipality in Cancun to participate in more environmental education aspects. And then that led me to come to Canada to study uh, environment and business at the University of Waterloo, uh, which is where I met Dominique, then really started working with communities and cities as kind of the key players and actors, not only at the front lines of the effects of climate, but also in the response. So I'm, I'm born and raised in Ottawa. And for me, I've always had a passion for to help people, but really in a curiosity around how international decision-making works. And so from high school and then university, really just curious around international climate decision-making and, and the role of young people. I was very fortunate to be part of a student delegation to go to the United Nations climate negotiations in 2013 as an early undergrad. And uh, for me, that was the first time I saw this sort of really hectic UN climate system, but also the incredible young people who were trying to participate and who were basically left out of decisions. And so it was really there that I got really interested around how can we elevate the role of youth in these complex international systems and really to, to try to influence and change them. 
And you're both co-founders of the Youth Climate Lab. Is this sort of how this organization came to be, you meeting in in school and going from there? Yeah, exactly. Honestly, we were quite frustrated. (laughs) I think we both saw gaps in in the respective spaces that we were working in, uh, really around how youth voices were ignored, tokenized, um, and continue to be, and seen as more cute than impactful. And we were excited with what we could bring to the world by supporting innovative youth around the globe to tackle these gaps. Honestly, came at a, at a place of, of frustration and, and really leaning in, in both our strengths and interests to, to create something that could support youth all around the globe who wanted to make a difference. Not everyone may be aware that women and girls are disproportionately affected by climate change. Why do you think the impact on women and girls is so different? That's definitely something that I think is getting a lot of more traction these days in terms of recognizing that, yeah, traditionally women's roles are as primary users and managers of food supplies, natural resources, caregivers. And this inevitably means that when there are impacts of climate change that exacerbate kind of aspects that make it difficult for them to access these services that they are usually providing, uh, it impacts them directly. Climate change also is known to intensify violence, conflict, food security, and other really huge concerns that women have of carried the, the burnt up uh, in the past. So uh, I think that's a way that, they've, that they are disproportionately affected by climate change. But I think also something worth mentioning, we're now recognizing that women and girls are also an integral part of the solution. By empowering women and girls, we're not only protecting them from the challenges of climate change, but finding solutions to mitigate and adapt to climate change. So really a, win, a win-win that starts with uh, human rights and, and just evening the playing field. Organization Youth Climate Lab particularly targets people under 30. So why do you think this group is such an important partner in driving action on climate change? Well, I think it's simple. Young people today, especially those on the front lines, have the most at stake and the most to gain when it comes to fighting climate action. So Youth Climate Lab focuses on supporting youth to create and support climate solutions because as a generation, youth are the most impacted by climate change. But we also know that there's, there's some of the most collaborative, intersectional, and innovative problem solvers that create the solutions that we need. So I'd say that it's both a moral and a practical reason that we focus on youth. Again, we, we mentioned, you know, we were frustrated uh, with the lack of, of meaningful youth engagement, which is why we created Youth Climate Lab. And it's really just critical to remember that decisions made today are impacting our future and future generations. And so not seeing youth as partners to solve this is, is a total missed opportunity and even a moral mishap. And so that's why we really focus on, on elevating the role of youth, not only as a constituency to consult with, but really as, as partners for climate action. In your work, are you finding that people under 30 are more aware of issues uh, related to climate change? Or are there certain challenges that come to, to communicating with this group around these issues? I think in the work that we do, we, we definitely see that, that young people are the most aware and uh, really well-versed in climate change and climate impacts. I think it can get a little complex when we talk about how international climate decision making happens and very complex bodies of the UN and the technical negotiations that take place. And so for that, there is important work to be done around leveling the playing field for youth to be able to speak that technical and political language to then really drive action at that level. But I'd say across the board and what we see, we really recognize that that young people are, are the most engaged and passionate to, to tackle climate change and really are committed to go above and beyond to learn more about it, to figure out how they can be involved, and really to, to take action. I wonder if you can tell us about some of the successes you've seen from your projects um, you know, around creating this, this dialogue. 
And what kind of inspiration can these successes bring to the future of the climate change movement? This is actually really exciting for Youth Climate Lab. We're entering our birthday month. So we're releasing a report on the last three years of our work, kind of what we've done, what we've heard, and what we've learned. And then we're tying that into where we want to go for the next three years. So a presentation of our strategic objectives and where we really see some shifts needing to happen in the in the next few years for climate action. But we've designed, we've piloted, and we're trying to scale uh, close to 15 projects over the last three years, ranging from an online virtual accelerator that supports green startups, particularly in the global south, to Future Exchange. This was a program that was aiming to bring youth from Canada's north and south to kind of translate traditional knowledge and policy knowledge into concrete climate action. In the numbers, we've, we've directly engaged with thousands of young people across all provinces and territories in Canada and over 40 countries through different labs. And what these labs do is really trying to get young people jamming on solutions to climate action by using design thinking processes, but also ensuring that their insights are being heard and used in, in national and international forums. For this type of work, we've worked with uh, partners like Global First Canada and Employment and Social Development Canada, but also at the international scale with uh, Connect for Climate, which is a global partnership under the World Bank, and in big forums like the Youth Climate Action Summit that took place before the United Nations Secretary General Summit last year, and uh, at COP in the past. So overall, I think that we're not only trying to build future climate decision makers, but we're trying to ensure that their voices are being heard right now. And that to me is particularly inspiring um, while we're also providing them with the tools and resources that they need to be taking action at their communities right now. I think something that we hear often is this level of urgency. And, and we can't just wait for, for what the next 10 are going to come, like the next 10 years are going to bring. But we really need to start taking action right now. And that's, that's kind of the source of inspiration for a lot of our work and our continued work to really be, be mobilizing young people in that way. I think Youth Climate Lab, we, we see ourselves as designers, as facilitators, as conveners. And so, you know, like Anna mentioned, a few of our projects um, include bringing youth together at international events and, and fostering a creative space for them to understand the decision-making system and, and co-create policy recommendations. And so we've seen some cool opportunities where, for example, at the, at the UN Climate, Youth Climate Summit in September, we hosted a policy jam uh, in partnership with the World Bank's Connect for Climate. And, you know, we had 100 plus young people from all around the world jamming on how to make climate finance more youth inclusive. And then we brought those recommendations to the high-level dialogue on financing, which just took place later that week at the UN. So that ministers working on finance and sustainable development were able to hear the, the youth insights and recommendations on pretty technical topic around financing. Those are cool insights and lessons that we really focus on as we plan our, our, the labs and the next uh, level of programming that we do. Can you give us an example of uh, one of these kinds of policy recommendations, uh, climate financing or, or otherwise? So one example is the, the idea of creating new financial mechanisms that are youth-focused and youth-led. Another one would be creating uh, a youth-based analysis that could complement, for example, gender-based analysis to really focus on the obligations and considerations of finance deployment on youth. So that would be like a policy tool that came out of, of our work on this topic. Other ideas were a UN-backed secretariat to help youth-led initiatives 
access tools and resources to learn more about financing and, and to build their own financial literacy at the organizational level so that they are able to access bigger funds. A lot of different ideas came out of it. How can someone who's listening at home right now or in their car, how can they take action? How can they participate in the fight against climate change? Such a great question. I think in a time of COVID-19, it could be really daunting to think very far ahead, but it's really important. It's important to think about our role in fighting climate change. It's worth mentioning that the temporary drop in emissions due to COVID, due to this pause that we're on right now, is not something necessarily to celebrate. But, you know, instead, it's, it's a moment for us to use this time to reimagine our relationship to Earth, to food, to each other, and to start thinking about what we can do as individuals at home. So, I mean, that includes, of course, eating local, reducing your meat consumption, but also what we can do as individuals beyond the home. Some things I would highlight is look to, to support and, and financially support youth-led and community work focused on climate action. Um, use your voice and demand climate action to your representatives in government, especially as, as the health crisis lessens and will work on the recovery. You know, it's really important for us to, to demand and to ensure that COVID recovery happens with a climate lens to it. You know, I think that underscores that, that larger uh, important role for us all during elections to, to vote and really to use climate in mind and making sure that those who we vote in have legit climate plans. And maybe I'll add for, for any, as we lovingly call youth plus listeners, <laughs> um, to, to recognize and use your access to, to support youth-led efforts. Um, kind of looping back to what we said earlier, really bringing young people as allies and partners in solutions and decision making and, and really listening to, to our voices right now um, as within your capabilities and access in whatever work that you're doing. Well, thank you so much, Dominique and Anna, for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Thank you, and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Stay tuned to our most recent episode of 15 Minutes to Change the World on Spotify and iTunes.